where I play, as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Washington Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hey there, and welcome to episode 31 of season two, the second last show of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button before uh, the National Hockey League Draft and the UFHL Auction Draft. And the director of scouting for TSN will be along very shortly. He will join me. On the show, this is where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. My name is Dean Millard. It is great to be chatting with you about the National Hockey League draft. And uh, we have some stud prospects to talk about today. Owen Power, ranked number one by just about everybody. He is a defenseman with Michigan of the Big Ten of the NCAA. Can West Scouting owns this prospect. He was originally purchased in the auction for $525 and he put up three goals 13 assists in 26 games this year with the the big M all right we also have Zach Dean a forward with Gatineau of the QMJHL looks to be a centerman uh, Spitfire scouting grabbed this prospect for $70 put up 10 goals and 10 helpers in 23 games this year with the Olympique and finally we will be chatting about Shai Buiam, a defenseman with Sioux City of the USHL, previously played just like Owen Power at Shattuck St. Mary. He's heading to Denver University, prestige worldwide. This could be an absolute steal. Listed him, I believe, for $20. He goes in the first round. Um, you're adding a few zeros to that for sure. Four goals, 22 helpers in 50 games with Sioux City this year in the UF, USHL. Uh, so that's uh, the three players we'll be discussing today. I'm also going to ask Craig about how you judge players that haven't played this year, have missed out on that development year that other players may have. You're judging them on what they were last year, what you saw them. You can't just guess what they're going to turn out to be, but they have missed out. And I wonder if we're going to see more I can't believe they got this guy there in the next five or six years with this draft in particular, just because some of these guys are now late bloomers because they didn't get to play this year. They didn't get that development. Uh, scouts didn't at least get to see it anyway. So we'll chat about that and uh, a whole lot more. Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Uh, become a scout. Track the same players that Craig does. Sign up as a scout at www.uffsports.com. It's just $25 to sign up, and then you can start listing players in the 2021, 2022, or 2023 draft for just $20 if they are still available. We will be auctioning off uh, players for the 2024 draft later this summer, and those will go in the bid. And then after the auctions, any player in the 2024 eligible draft 
will be available for $20. That's how easy it is. So get in the game where you own the game. And of course, this show is being broadcast proudly on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. We have some cool things going on. We've got great shows. If you have a fantasy sports show, we would love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at UFS Network, or you can email UFSN at UFFSports.com. If you have a daily, monthly, weekly show, whatever it is, if it's about fantasy sports, we would love to have a chat with us to reach out. Uh, so reach out, rather, when you can. Let us know, and we'll chat about your show. All right, let's bring him in now. He is our uh, president of scouting for high-level scouting. He's the vice president of uh, scouting for Duckman's Domination, and he is the scouting director for TSN, Mr. Craig Button. Here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. We are just nine sleeps away from the NHL draft, and then shortly after that, the UFHL draft. So a lot of nervous and excited GMs uh, looking forward to that one. And, and how I want to start today is, the, is just a kind of general question about scouting and how do you evaluate and judge players that didn't play this year and maybe weren't able to get that extra year of development versus players that did? Um, so it's you're kind of looking, as you've stated before, you got to look at your file on that player, but they're missing that year of development. So do, do you factor that in, or do you just go on what the player was? I'd imagine it might be a difficult thing for scouts. Well, I, he, here's a couple of things that I would say, more than a couple. Number one is, is that that is a significant part of evaluation is, is watching that, that, that development uh, progression or, or lack thereof or to whatever extent it, it happens or doesn't happen, right? But to be able to watch it over a period of time gives you a really, uh, I, I think, a stronger uh, confident level, confidence level with respect to how you're going to project that player. How you're going to, you know, how, because remember, we're drafting 17 and 18-year-old players for the most part. There's lots of maturity ahead for them. And by having the 13 months, and, and I'm going back to March 2020, and it was 13 months essentially, you know, for the vast, and, and for a lot of players, even it's still longer. So they haven't had an opportunity. So to be able to watch those players as, as they progress from 16 to 17 into their draft year and over the course of their draft year meet different challenges and, you know, it becomes it, it not only incredibly valuable, but it really helps the confidence levels of, of, of scouting staffs to say, yeah, this is where he's at and this is where we think he'll continue to progress to. And, you know, but in the absence and, and, and for the players, they haven't been able to demonstrate it. The NHL teams have not been able to evaluate it. So now you're left with a vacuum. So what do you do when you're left with a vacuum? You, you take, you know, previous 
uh, information, and, and, and the NHL teams are, are going deep and wide and, and far to try to, you know, call as much information as they can on these players. You're watching them over shorter uh, time periods, and, and you're saying, okay, and, and for an example, let's just use Dylan Gunther from the Edmonton Oil Kings. He had an opportunity to play 24 games with the Oil Kings in the Western Hockey League. He had an opportunity to go to the U18. So you could pick up from last March of 2020, jump into the WHL season, and then go to the U18 and go, okay, that, I got a pretty good sense of him. But how do you do that with a player like Brennan Othman? Brennan Othman, you know, good player in the OHL. He played a handful of games in Switzerland. And then he comes over and he plays at the U18. You haven't had that chance to watch him. And, and I'm just giving you two examples. That is a really, really deep pool of players that haven't had that opportunity. And, and, and in the same breath, the NHL teams haven't had an opportunity to watch them. So what I would say is, is that it, it's a challenge unlike so many other, like any other draft year. It's a, it would be like saying, okay, we're having the draft. Here's where you're going to get to evaluate the players starting now. And you got this short period of time, and you can only go by that period of time. You go back in time to talk to people, go back to video and try to evaluate. But it is, uh, it, it, is, it is something we have never seen. And it's obviously going to be interesting to see what teams have learned about their own scouting process, what they implement going forward you know, to try to understand, hey, this is something that can really help us in the future, not just in a pandemic. And, you know, obviously we're going to be able to see, you know, what what what, what group of players, you know, really, you know, moves forward in their game. And we know that even under the best conditions, there's going to be players that are not going to uh, reach the potential that NHL teams projected for them. Well, one guy who was able to strut his stuff this year is the guy who uh, everybody seems to have number one on their list, and he has seemed to have been there since the start of this year, and that's Owen Power, defenseman with Michigan. They play in the Big Ten, and uh, he was originally bid a one in an auction for $525, and then uh, a bunch of prospects were sold to Can West Scouting, so they've got an absolute stud on their hands. Three goals, 13 assists in 26 games this year with Michigan. What did you think of his freshman season at Michigan this year, Craig? Well, let me just see. His freshman season at Michigan his tenor with the Team Canada at the World Championships, mm. two years with the Chicago Steel as a midget year. There is nothing about Owen Power that is unimpressive. Nothing. <laughs> so when you watch this type of a player continuously meet the challenges of the higher levels, he did that at college. I mean, he was, a, he was an excellent player uh, for, the, for Michigan. Then he goes to the World Championships, and, and th th there was nothing about the World Championships that was going to uh, deter me or detract me from, from feeling that he's the best player in the draft. And, and let me say this. I, I, I have a line under Owen Power. I, I think he's the best player. I don't think there's anybody else that, that, that is better than him. I guess we can always have the conversation, but to me, he's the best. But, you know, you think about it. Gerard Gallant didn't know anything about this player from a, from a hands-on perspective of, of coaching a player. Him on the bench, putting him out on the ice. Comes over there. He's heard lots about him. And what ends up happening, Dean? He ends up becoming a player, 
that the coach says, hey, let's try him in this situation. Okay, let's try him here. Let's give him a little bit more of this. Let's try him in this situation. Let's give him a little bit more of that. He didn't become a regular defenseman for Team Canada and route to the gold medal at the World Championships. He became an integral member of the blue line. He was a top four defenseman that was asked to do significant amounts of work and contribute in really, really critical areas. And he did. Now, you're trying to project players to the NHL. And as they move up the ranks, you know, you're trying to evaluate them as they meet the challenges that are like are a little bit closer to the NHL. Now, I have no idea, okay, uh, with respect to other players that haven't, you know, had that opportunity. And, and the World Championships isn't the NHL, but it's closer to the NHL than college. And college is closer than junior, in my view. So now you have this group, you have this player that is continuously showing that he can master the next level. And based on what I've seen, and I've watched him since he was a midget player in Toronto, and I got, you know, we talk about scouting and everything. Like, one of the benefits of watching Owen Power is there was no gap. There was really, I mean, other than, you know, perhaps not participating at the World Junior Camp, the World mm -hmm. Junior Tournament, you know, last summer, maybe not coming to the World Junior Camp. Other than that, he's had everything you would want to be able to feel confident about evaluating his game in terms of, of playing time and playing opportunity. He has it. And, I mean, he's... He's he, number one defenseman, and that's what I project him at, have to be able to contribute in every significant area of the game. Mm -hmm. And they have to be able to control those situations and, 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 and do it in a manner that that is defensive, offensive, skating, you know, physical, using your size, closing the gap, all those things. I can't find any flaws in Owen Power's game. Uh, that's terrific to hear. Um, and, you know, the Buffalo Sabres uh, will be very happy unless, you know, Seattle swoops in and makes a big deal. But, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, NHL draft versus fantasy draft. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. And sometimes those number, those defensemen that go first overall in the NHL, you know, they might not be the biggest fantasy contributor, but it sounds like Owen Power is going to be able to contribute offensively, which is, you know, would make a team in the UFHL go after him because of the, those weighted offensive categories. And you and I have talked about what makes an offense or number one defenseman. Can you just touch a little bit on his offensive game and, and where you think that uh, might be able to grow as he as he continues to develop? He, I don't think he'll have gaudy offensive numbers in the National Hockey League a la Eric Carlson. Okay. You know, who, who, who's a brilliant offensive player, right? Like, I don't think Eric, I don't think he's going to have that type of uh, uh, offensive uh, stat line. But, like, I, you watch a player that, that, that moves the puck, and, and where I really evaluate defensemen is in the offensive zone with respect to being able to create offense and, and generate points. He, he himself moves around the offensive zone with incredible, incredible uh, ease and with a real understanding of how he can be dangerous. He understands where to move the puck and who to get it to in the offensive zone that creates scoring opportunities and, by extension, will get points on the board. And, you know, when you watch all those elements work together and understand that 
Okay, Eric Carlson's a special, special defenseman offensively. I mean, those guys are rare. I mean, he's a rare player. But when I watch Owen Power play and I watch his abilities offensively, I see a player that is going to contribute and be a real strong contributor. And, you know, Victor Hedman, who who I think is the best defenseman in the National Hockey League, go and look what he did early on in his career. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a big point producer. He, he was in the 30 range, you know, like knocking on 40, and then he just explodes. And, you know, like, do, do I think Owen Power has that potential? Yes. Do I think it's as great as uh, Hedman with respect to, you know, where he finds himself now offensively? No, I don't think it's as great, but don't rule it out because we're talking about a brilliant mind for the game in all the areas of the game. And like, I've seen lots of skaters that can move the puck up to the blue line and they get in the offensive zone. They cannot do what's critically important to create an offense in, in the, in the, in, inside the offensive blue line. That's opening up the lanes. That's making plays under sticks and through skates. That's recognizing who and where to get the puck and to get it there at the right times, as well as getting yourself involved in the attack. Owen Power does that. It's pretty comical to think there were people concerned about Victor Hedman early in his career and whether he was going to live up to it. I mean, geez, Louise. Um, So uh, having said that, it's good to be patient, especially with uh, young players, defensemen, goaltender in particular, uh, uh, sometimes uh, take longer. Sometimes they jump right in. But what is your favorite part of of his? He has so many great qualities. What's your favorite part? And who do you see Owen Power when you watch him? Is there a comparable that you like? Well, when I first watched Owen, I I, I saw a lot of, Chris Pronger. He was long. He was lanky. I mean, and let's just remove Chris Pronger from that edge that he had because very mm-hmm. few players had the edge that Chris Pronger had. Right. I'm talking about the length. You know, he, he was thin, you know, but his mind was brilliant. His, his ability to just move the puck at the right time, precision passer, understanding that like, okay, here's where I got to be to close down this play, you know, reading, anticipating, and, and that was with the puck, without the puck. So that was the player when I very first saw Owen Power play that he reminded me of. Now, I know I know what Chris Pronger connotes with respect to uh, the edge that he played with, and, and, and he did it as well as any defenseman that's ever played at that level. But, you know, Owen's ability to, like, mentally, you know, be in the game and be steps ahead of everybody else, that's what Chris Pronger did. That's how Chris Pronger played the game. I heard this comment about Chris Pronger uh, during his draft year. He could play the game in a rocking chair. Mm-hmm. The reason he could play the game in a rocking chair is because you're relaxed, you're calm, you're poised, you're settled. That's all in power. Awesome. I, I love all of that. Uh, all right, let's get to Zach Dean, a forward with Gatineau of the QMJHL Spitfire Scouting Agency. Snagged this player in the original uh, Futures Auction Draft for $70, and that could pay off quite handsomely. 10 goals, 10 assists, and 23 games in the queue. It's it's interesting. He was uh, I read he was born in Alberta, grew up in Newfoundland, played some hockey in Toronto before joining Gatineau. He's kind of like the I've been everywhere man song, but wherever he's been, he's been a reliable player for a coach to have. That's what I gleaned from some of the comments I read. What do you think about that? Well, no, no, well, I think that Zach Dean and you know, you go back and you, and you and you pull out, you know, the 
the evaluations of, of watching him, and then, and then you watch him this year in a different way, and you understand what he does. And he, he's a player that, to me, does so many things well in the game. He, he does it in an understated fashion, but not in any way less meaningful fashion. He, he, he's on the puck. He, he, he understands where to go, where to be. He's quick, you know, the, to, to recognize where he can take advantage, both offensively and defensively. He's a really strong competitor. Like, he, he's in it to win it. That's, that's how I feel about Zach. And when you, when you watch him play the game, I, I, I always come back to this. Is that a player I'd want on my team if I'm interested? I mean, everybody's interested in winning, so it might be a, a silly comment to make. But you're always looking for players that can make a difference to winning. Mm -hmm. And when I watch Zach Dean, I see a difference maker. I, and and he, he may not be going offensively one night, but he's going to find a different way to make a difference to helping you win that night. And, you know, in another game, he might say, like, you know what, I got, I got, I got to find a way to create more scoring chances here so, for our team to win. And that recognition of what he has to do and then dialing into it. Dean, how many times do we see players that if, if, if they don't get their so-called game in the game, they just – they become non-factors. Invisible. Zach Dean, to me, never becomes a non-factor. And when, when watching him play and watching him compete and the way he goes about uh, playing the game, there's no area of the game where he's not really dialed into it. And I, I think players like him are ones that end up uh, being uh, really valuable to teams, coaches love to have them out on the ice because you know exactly what you're getting, and it's and it's real good quality. Is it is it elite quality? No. If he was, we'd be talking about a player at the top end of the draft. But I think he's got a chance to be a really strong two way centerman. He says he likes to model his game after Matthew Barzell. Do you see that, or do you see another player as far as uh, comparable? And and keep in mind, we we. We know, Craig, that when he says Matthew Barzell, he knows he's, he's a, it's a style. Or when we talk about Chris Pronger, we're not saying this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. But do you see similarities between uh, the guy he likes to model his game after? Uh, you know, like, hey, what, what I would say is, is I have no problem with players that, uh, that want to model your game. I, I don't see Matt Barzell in, uh, in, in Zach Dean's game. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with him modeling his game mm -hmm. after that type of player. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that in any way, shape, or form, right? But I, I see a really strong two-way centerman. I see, I see somebody that, that, that can play. He, he, I mean, Matt has this fantastic skill set handling the puck and skating, right? And very few players have what Matt Barzell has. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when... You know, Joel Erickson Eck is getting a lot of play now for being such a good, you know, he was a, a real top vote getter for Selkie Trophy, just signs a long-term contract with the Minnesota Wild. That's who I see Zach Dean like. Okay, so we've talked about different terms that people use, the best player available or draft for need versus whatever it is. So I'm going to throw two terms at you that sometimes get used in a draft. Uh, okay, so is he the, quote, 
safe pick as opposed to the quote boom bust pick and i'm not sure how you feel about those terms being used um, on players but there is a lot of those being thrown around um, and people sometimes they like to look and be like oh he's a defensive player he's that safe player well there's no guarantee that that guy is going to turn into that defensive player he might play a safer game but what do you think about those terms well, yeah, so, so I mean, those, I mean, terms and, and, and a lot of terms get used, uh, you know, interchangeably. And, you, you know, sometimes they you, you can understand what they mean. And sometimes you just try to, you know, go a little bit deeper into what they mean. So I just described Zach Dean. OK. Mm-hmm. And does that sound like a safe player? Well, it sounds like a player you can trust. I, I would use that word more than like I, I think okay. I could trust but I'm just saying, him. But, but just. But based on my description, does that sound like a safe player? Yeah, so I, I think that's a, a guy who's uh, you know you're safe to throw over the boards every time. That's what I think of when okay. I think of safe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. So fair enough. So that's what I mean about digging a little bit deeper on the definition, right? So mm-hmm. if we agree what safe means, then then we can use the term. If sure. safe means well, he might not have a lot of upside, but we we know what he's going to be, and the downside isn't that much, right? Well, I, I don't use it that way. Like if like if, if, if you're going to start going into a draft, you're looking in a draft for players. I just talked about Zach. Who can make a difference to my team in, in terms of outcome, winning and losing? Who can do that? That's who I want to know. And I think Zach Dean's a difference maker. And so when I, when, when I watch him play, do I think that he could score more? Perhaps he can. I just said I don't see him as as uh, as uh, as. Matt Barzell. In fact, I don't see him like Matt Barzell in any way, shape, or form. Just to be clear on that, okay. And there's nothing wrong with modeling your game and saying I, I might want to be more like that. Sure. But I don't. So if somebody thinks that he's boom because he can be like Matt Barzell, I, I would say totally disagree. Now, what does bust mean? What What's a bust? Like, Dean, I've seen 60 goal scores not make it in the NHL. Yeah. I I I've seen guys that were dominant, dominant goaltenders, defensemen, forwards that were drafted high, high, high that didn't make it. So would you would, would you say that's a bus player? No. It tells you that how hard it is to translate into the, your game into the National Hockey League. I've, you've heard me say this continuously, and I'll be able to continuously say it. That NHL teams are drafting the players that have been the best at the levels below them. They draft 60 goal scorers that don't turn out. They draft goaltenders that were dominant that don't turn out. They draft defensemen that dominate that don't turn out. So are, are we going to say that, like, could, could I just, I'm just, I'm not going to pick a name. I'm just going to say, so we, you draft a, a 60 goal scorer. Are, are we sitting here saying he's a bust when he goes in the top 10? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. There's so the development I, side I, too. Right. So I think you have to be really realistic when you use the term boom or bust. Because if you're saying he's boom and can be like Matt Barzell, I totally disagree. Mm-hmm. That's not boom. That's unrealistic. Uh, I, I, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear somebody tell me because we see it time and time again. And I'll share this with you. I've said this about the draft, and I, I'm one for potential, and I look at potential, and I recognize based on the history and on the numbers and all everything that's happened that there's going to be players that that, that are drafted in the top 10 that don't make it. And in the first round, that aren't going to make it. That's just, we know that. 
And I, and I said a couple of years ago, I said, wouldn't it be interesting if I picked the, the, the six to eight players that I think aren't going to make it? <laughs> but that's yeah. not fair to the players. That's not fair. And that's not what I'm about, right? But I can tell you this right now. I want to hear somebody tell me that the guy that was picked third is going to be a bust. Tell me that. Yeah. Well, don't, don't use boomer bust to talk about uh, a, a player that's, you know, considered maybe in the middle part of the draft or the middle part of the first round or later in the first round. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not buying. Tell me, tell me that Dale Yakupov's going to be a bust. Right. Tell me. Don't, 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 don't tell me that Zach Dean could be boom or bust. Tell me that you think Nail Yakupov could be bust. Because everybody thought he'd be boom. Uh, and and it, you, you look at situations where, yes, players are drafted in the first round, and, and you know, Dale Yakupov, a prime example. And then there's players drafted in the eighth round, like Pekka Rene, who just retired, who go on to have a great career. So, there, you know, are, are you looking when you're drafting in the eighth round at having a starting goaltender for 50 years, 15 years? You know, you might like it to happen, but you're probably looking at the guy you're drafting in the first round that might be doing that. So there's all it's all over the place um, with the you know, and, and we've talked about expectations in a draft a lot, Craig. And uh, a lot of times the expectations are out of whack uh, when you look at the player yes. that, that is drafted by fan base or GMs and, and coaches and, and a lot of things. So it's uh, there, there's a lot, um, you know, when you use boom or bust, there's a there's a lot of leeway uh, that you're giving with that. But, you know, every scout uh, and, and they're going to we've talked about it as well. Every scout has their own board and the off the board comments, things like that, that you'll hear. But anyway, Craig joins us. But let me. Yeah, Sorry. Let me add some. I want to add something to be because I wanted to. I want to keep it in my mind. Is that you know you expectations like teams like I believe that you have to project players along a sliding scale. Do you think like okay, what's the best outcome? Right. What and then what is the what what is an outcome? And then okay, so you watch a guy. I may have used this example with you before, and and Jim Neal. Uh, the general manager of the Dallas Stars, long time with the team. I asked him about Darren Helm. Darren Helm was a middle round draft pick, I think fourth round, if I recall correctly. Anyway, he was drafted, a real great skater. All of a sudden, he gets into his, his second and third after his draft year, and he starts putting up points. He starts putting up points, and you know, you start saying, and then Darren Helm now starts, I mean, he, 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 he was part of a Stanley Cup team before he was part of a regular season team in Detroit. And then he went back to the minors because he had this element. I asked Jim Neal this question. I said, when you were evaluating uh, Darren Helm, and, and you, you see the great skating, you see him start to move forward and point, did you think he could be a, a significant point producer when you were doing the evaluation, not just at the draft, but as you continued on? He said, Craig, no. He said, when we drafted him and we, we watched him, we really thought that he had that disruptive speed that could be uh, Chris Draper-like. It was yep. going to be different than Chris Draper because Chris was so physical and, and hard on you. But but he said, but we looked at it and thought, like, we thought that, like, we really felt strongly that like, if he continued to develop, 80%, 90%, he could be Chris Draper. The offense came, but we only put maybe 10 to 20%. On, on him being a really top end, not a top end, but a really good offensive player. That's realistic expectations. That's realistic projections. Indeed. 
All right, so Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS hotline, and scouting is so massive in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. Free agents, prospects, they go through a scout, so you can get in the game where you own the game, as these will be digital athlete NFTs, and you can put your scouting talent to good use. Real-world scouting. You're going to watch real-world players or watch them online wherever you do and scout for fantasy hockey franchises. You can become an independent scout. You can form a partnership with an existing franchise. Check out uffsports.com. Register as a scout today, and you can start listing players, if they're still available, for as little as $20. So the final player we're going to chat about today is Shai Buiam, a defenseman with Sioux City of the USHL, formerly of Shattuck St. Mary, grew up in San Diego, so a, a guy that clearly has benefited from the growth of the game uh, down south and prestige worldwide picked up this prospect uh, in the original scout auction for just twenty dollars so this could be really really interesting for them four goals 22 assists and 20 in 50 games this year in the ushl what is it about him that you have really liked lately that you've uh, moved him up as you did your final rankings well again you're trying to you're trying to gather more information on players that you know you, you know have uh uh, potential, you know that uh, you know they're being watched very closely, and 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 again, so he had an opportunity to end up in the USHL and and really demonstrate those qualities. And so, what are we looking at here? And and I'll be straightforward with you. Like, uh, you know, it's funny. I talk about the list, right? I talk about mm-hmm. so we, I talk, I did seventy five, right? And I'm looking at the list and I'm looking at it all the time and every day. And I go, yeah, he should be higher. Yeah, he should be higher, right? But <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, because you're you start to look at the potential and you start to look at what he possesses. So, from an athletic point of view, hockey athleticism and, and everything, he's got he's got this fantastic hockey athleticism skates he's free he's easy you know with respect to the, the way he moves around the ice he he does it almost effortlessly with respect to uh you know moving laterally the pivoting you know backwards forwards quickness speed you know just all those elements that are so critical uh to to being able to impact the game in more ways than one he's a, he's good with the puck and one of the things i really like about shy is that when he has the puck, he's looking to make a play. He's not looking to survive a situation. He's not looking to be in a spot where, oh, now what? He, he, he's looking to make a play. And, and there's going to be times when the play doesn't occur. There's going to be times when you're waiting for the play to develop and you realize, okay, wait a second, got to cut my losses right here. That's part of development as a, as a defenseman. And the key word there is development. I see only areas of development in his game that that, that that need fine-tuning. I don't see inherent flaws in his game. I don't see a player that uses that skating, moves up the ice, moves to a spot, and then all of a sudden, now what? Now what? Right? I see so many defensemen that can skate, and then they get moving, and then it's, now what? Oh, whoops. Oh, that play wasn't there. So when I look at him and see the, this, this development, and I see an ability to like he he's engaged he's not just engaged on the offensive side of the game he's engaged on the defensive side of the game he's he's engaged without the puck he wants to stop the play on his terms 
He doesn't want to stop the play where he's defending back and now he's got to try to figure out, okay, I better close it here. He's always in the spot, in my view, where he is looking to stop the play where he can take advantage and he can now transition from a defensive player to an offensive player. And, I, you know, you put the, you put the, the, the physical size, you put the athleticism, and now you put the brain and the thinking, the way he approaches the game. I think there's a lot there. I think there's a lot of potential there. Keep in mind, he's a player that as he's moved up the ranks, we talked about Owen Power, you mean Shattuck St. Mary's, then he goes to Sioux City. You know, there is lots to like there. And quite frankly, I think he's going a lot earlier than 32. And he's going to Denver, uh, which is a school that uh, has always been high on development. And, and w- when I watched him uh, on video, the one thing I really came away impressed with is how calm he is under pressure, yeah. the good decisions that he makes. He doesn't seem, you know, he's going back to get the puck. There's a guy on him. He calmly makes a pivot or makes a quick little pass to get out of danger. Like you, you talked about Chris Pronger playing in a rocking chair a little bit. I saw a little, and, and I small sample size i just saw a very calm under pressure player even on the blue line walk in the line with a guy on him doesn't rush it and and throw it uh you know give it away so a breakaway that goes the other way i just thought really good decision making from him well and, and, and so i you know when i just talked about he's always looking to make a play right so you know i i call what he does and, and players i use this term i call it pot progression of thought you know, when you're playing in the National Hockey League, and, and this is where you're projecting the players, you need to be able to process the game quickly, rapidly, and under duress. It would be nice if there was no duress or any pressure. <laughs> you ha- like, and, and unfortunately, that's the way it is. And again, you see players, Dean. I see lots of players. I'll just use defensemen. They go back for a puck, and they're quick to get to the puck, and it's like, oh, my God, i got to get to the puck. And mm-hmm. when I use that term, now what? It's like, okay, now I got to the puck, now what? That guy's right on me, now what do I do? And you just described, Shay, how I see that. He's going back for the puck. He's the one in control. He's the guy that has things managed. And the, the, the forechecker may think they got him in a tough spot. He knows exactly where he's at. He knows what he wants to do, and he knows how to take advantage of that forechecker. Same thing on the offensive blue line when you talk about walking the line. He's not, he's not, he doesn't feel rushed. You know, John Wooden, the great UCLA basketball coach, had a saying, be quick, but don't be in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Booyam is quick, but he's not in a hurry because he's looking to make plays. Yeah, make a good decision and, 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 and make that decision fast, but then don't rush what that kind of decision exactly. is, right? You gotta you gotta make the decision fast, but then you gotta have the, the cognitive thoughts or the you know the, the cognitive brain power to be okay, that's the decision I make, but if I make that pass right now, it's going to get picked off. If I wait a second or, or whatever it might be, you have to make the fast decision. You have to have fast decision-making, but then have the calmness to, to show it through. Yeah, well, and, and that's the key. You know, I, I know when, uh, you know, being part of NHL teams, when you're doing pre-scouts for the playoffs, and, you know, we, I mean, I was, we went to the Stanley Cup Finals in Dallas and in Minnesota, but, you know, you're always looking for those players that you can pressure that will make a mistake mm-hmm. that you, you you can put into a tough spot where that, where you can take advantage of the next play right you're always looking and and that's from a pre-scouting game point of view right 
And 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 the ones I, like you know talking about Chris Pronger, and I'll go back to Chris Pronger in a second because it because it follows here. But Shai Booyah, I don't see that. I don't see a player like you're watching and going, okay, you better you better play him straight up. You you could look at Scott Niedermeyer and go, oh look at him, we're gonna get to him physically. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Got no chance. Yeah. Got no chance, right? Like you're like you might think you have a chance, and you might look at it that way. You don't. I remember we were we were up against the St. Louis Blues in Dallas, and we were playing against uh, uh, Pronger and McInnes. Now, Chris was different than Al, but I remember at one point, Ken Hitchcock says, we gotta get after Chris Pronger. We gotta deliver blows on Chris Pronger. We gotta make him feel the hurt. And I, yeah. I, I, Rick Wilson just looked at Ken Hitchcock. He goes, just tell us how we're gonna do that. He goes, first of all, like Chris Pronger knows what's coming before the guy trying to deliver it knows what he's going to do. So just mm -hmm. tell me how we're going to do it. He goes, we can do it on, on, on a face-off. <laughs> we can do it when there's no play going on. He goes, but when the play's going on, he goes, I don't know how you're going to get to Chris Pronger. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, and, and obviously we, we, we talked about a Hall of Fame defenseman that was so advanced in this game. But Shai Booyam, he's got progression of thought. Yeah, it's like uh, trying to run Larry Robinson out of the game, right? It oh, just yeah, wasn't happening. Right. You know, the, the Oilers well, in the eighties weren't doing it. Yeah, Brian Leach, like you, like you know, I, I get it. Like you want to think that that's your game plan? That oh yeah, yeah well, like good luck. <laughs> like you, you, you would have a better chance, honestly. You'd have like if you think you're running Scott Niedermeyer or Brian Leach out of a game, you have a better chance of wrestling a bear than yeah. you do of running those guys out of a game. Well, I, I was going to say, you'd have a better chance of uh, getting on a bull at the stampede that you're going to go to and riding it for eight seconds than you might of getting Chris Pronger out of, uh, out of a game at some point uh, with intimidation. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, okay? My attempt to ride the bull would be the same as my attempt <laughs> to try to intimidate Chris Pronger. I would clearly end up injured. Exactly. I would clearly end up injured. <laughs> exactly. All right, so next week, Final show before the draft. I'm going to take 32 players from your list of 75. I'm going to, we're going to do rapid fire one through 32 players. Might not be the top 32. It's just going to be 32 players, and we'll discuss them for about a minute each. You up for that? Totally up for it. That'll be fun, you know. And gives a it's a, it gives it gives some different perspective on players that might be outside my 32, but very well could end up being first round draft picks. So I, that that's a Excellent. fun idea, Dean. I'm I'm I'm, I'm in. Excellent. All right, we will chat next week. Uh, good luck riding that bowl this weekend and enjoy it. Listen, there will be no videos anywhere of Craig riding up. Not, not, not a real bowl, not a mechanical bowl. Listen, I know what I am incapable of, so I'm no. not going to go there. Really quick story. 2001 Memorial Cup. I'm covering the Red Deer Rebels in Regina. There's a bar there called The Pump that had a mechanical bowl. I had to ride it the first night I got in there, so I did. James Shawaga, longtime Brandon Sun reporter, shows up and bets me two days later that I couldn't ride the bull and he'd buy me drinks all night. I didn't tell him I rode the bull before. I didn't have to last eight seconds. I just had to get on there and I drank for free that night, Craig. So maybe you do want to jump on a mechanical bull every once in a while. No, they have the mechanical bull set up at the stampede. Yeah, and I've right. seen many try. I've seen many, many try, Dean. What I would do is I would just take off my cowboy hat and tip it to you. That's and, right. and with, with great respect, 
I'm, I, listen, here's we talked about upside and downside, boom or bust. There is only bust for Craig Button riding a mechanical bull or a real bull. Right. Well, <laughs> keep in mind, this was 20 years ago for me, so uh, 45-year-old <laughs> Dean is not getting on a mechanical bull either. But enjoy it, Craig, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What you talking about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got to win it. UFFS, you own the game. with Mr. Craig Button each and every week. And in the next little while, probably a couple of weeks after uh, the draft next week, we will do Craig's Council, where that's where we'll do story time. He can give you some scouting tips if you have questions. Uh, the week after the draft, we'll recap it. And then our final show of the season will be story time and scouting tips. So if you have a question for Craig that you'd like to uh, ask him, whether it's about a player uh, or uh, specific to scouting or, you know, a story from his uh, uh, very storied NHL uh, management career, hit us up, trackingthedraft at gmail.com, email it, and we will add it to the list of topics that we have already for uh, Craig's council. Um, okay, a couple of things to tell you. Uh, we have a uh, massive weekend. Uh, first of all, if you did enjoy it, please uh, subscribe, click that bell right on UFSN or wherever you're listening from. Uh, thank you very much for that. And you will get uh, the new shows every week, every Wednesday when they come out. Uh, we've got some huge stuff going on this weekend. If you go to uffsports.com, you can register uh, for the UFAFL franchise auctions this weekend. It starts on Friday ends on Sunday, VIP events in Vegas. You can still get there, cheap flights, have a ball, buy a franchise, and you are in the mix for the greatest fantasy sports platform of all time. So check that out. Please check that out and have a lot of fun with the UFAFL franchise auctions in Vegas this Sunday. VIP events will be happening you will not want to miss this once and only franchise auction opportunity for the UFHL, UFAFL rather. Uh, you will be able to buy a franchise later, but get in the mix now if you can. Great shows on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. We've got the UFFS podcast every Sunday with Darren Bates and Larry Fisher. Two Minute Tuesday with Darren Bates. This show with Craig Button comes out every Wednesday. Full Count Fantasy Baseball will be live Thursday morning at noon Eastern, every Thursday with myself and Jordan Blundell. Larry Fisher and I have UFHL now on Friday. He's the UFHL Insider and the Ultimate Roundtable once a month, every Saturday. We got a new one coming out this Saturday, so you'll want to check out and keep it locked on UFSN uh, to find out all the great details about the Ultimate Roundtable. That will be happening on Saturday. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Okay, 
That means it is uh, time to wrap things up on the show. As mentioned, if you have a question, if you'd like to join the show as an advertiser or a partner, uh, please email me, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Craig Button, the Director of Scouting for TSN, also the President of Scouting for High Level Scouting in the UFHL, and the Vice President of Scouting for Duckman's Domination in the UFHL. Thank you to Craig for his passion, his time, his knowledge. I can't wait to do the uh, one-minute rapid-fire questions next week on our final show before the draft. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Keep going, scouts. In the UFHL, lots of great players still out there. Have yourself a wonderful week. We'll talk to you next week before the draft. See you later.